Hello and welcome to GradCast, the official radio show and podcast of the Society of Graduate Students at Western University. I'm your host, Nick. And I'm Connor. And today we are here with Jeff Swim. Thanks for being here, Jeff. Welcome. Thanks for having me. So, Jeff, uh, we're going to go deep into your research here. But uh, first of all, why don't you just tell us a little bit about uh, who you are and uh, what you're studying here at Western? Sure. Uh, I am... uh from New Brunswick originally, um, and uh, I went to, uh, did my, my uh, BA and MA at the University of Ottawa, and then in summer of 2016, I moved to London to do my PhD in, uh, at Western uh, in English Lit. Um, so, um, and I'm so um, specifically studying uh, Victorian, era literature uh, and especially towards the uh, the latter half of uh, of that era and so what year of your PhD are you in I am in I'm going into fifth year actually this will be my fourth this was my fourth full year so Mm -hmm. uh, yeah and so what got you into English literature was it the um, Victorian era or was it an interest in like literature itself? Well, it's, I actually did a, what they call a, a general arts degree at the Universal, University of Ottawa. At first, that's how I started out. I, I didn't know what I wanted to do. I went back to school late. I uh, was 25 when I went back to, to university and I basically took a bunch of courses. Uh, so I took ancient history, philosophy, uh, psychology and 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 then English literature and uh, English liter English literature was the one that I found most interesting and excelled in. Um, then I yeah sort of so Victorian literature came by kind of more uh, more exposure to different eras of of English lit so. Uh, I, I just really took to um, different authors from that period, like Charles Dickens and uh, Thomas Hardy um, and uh, um, uh, George Eliot. So I, I yeah, um, that's how I kind of fell into the Victorian era. Are there some particular characteristics of the Victorian era that you, you really like and you've kind of pinned out or you're talking about? Huh, that's a good question. Um, I, I'm not exactly sure. I think what I like about the Victorian era is that I see the Victorians, we we sort of inherited their problems um, and uh, a lot of their questions and our world is taking the shape that we know it in at that period. So these writers are dealing with crises of faith and doubt um, they're they're um, turning more and more to science as an authority on um, natural phenomena, and the art is is um, reflecting this as well. Um, and uh, I think what fascinates me about that is yeah that the Victorians uh, the the authors that I'm interested in they their art is tr- is struggling to um, be moralistic in a way there's there's they're struggling in the the novel becomes kind of an institution for dealing with morality and then you get kicked back against that and it's actually 
the the later end of the century when you have people like Oscar Wilde who you know the art for art's sake movement they're sort of reacting to some of the more moralistic authors and and I I'm sort of interested in in um in the the latter half of that so you're so, interested in the in the kickback yeah yeah, yeah. So this would be encapsulating uh, authors like Oscar Wilde, who are um, more arts for art's sake, not trying to commission a particular moral framework to, to. Yeah, exactly. They're they're trying to be amoral. They're trying to suggest that art uh, doesn't. We we can't. Or it's faulty to turn to art for moral guidance. Mm. Um, that's, and that's, that's where, yeah. That's definitely. What are some of the yeah. What are some of the characteristics of this, of this, um, this kickback, this period of literature in that second half? Um, well, I don't want to misrepresent it because there's a lot of stuff going on at the same time. So you have, um, you still have people writing. Um, I mentioned Thomas Hardy. I, th I feel like Thomas Hardy is still somebody who takes their so we're talking about for anyone who's not familiar with thomas hardy um test of the d'urbervilles jude the obscure um those were some of his big controversial novels but it still has a moral bent um but it's kind of holding its society to task for certain hypocrisies um uh especially the treatment of women um and uh things like this but um but the characteristic of the of the art for art's sake or aesthetic movement or sometimes it's called the decadent movement and there are finer distinctions to be made between those things but um the characteristics of that uh movement i'm just struggling to to gather my thoughts um it would be um a an idea about pleasure um so the idea of aesthetics um aesthetics is about like what what pleases us and why and um the sort of the implications of pleasure and i think that the people um who are getting sort of who are affiliated with the decadent or aesthetic movement are people who are writers who are more interested in the experience um, of art, uh, and less how that experience should fit into s some kind of moralistic worldview. Um, Almost like the primal response to art instead of like the totally intellectual one, maybe? Or? I think that's, yeah, definitely part of it. Yeah, definitely. The primal, I think that is, uh, that that is getting on to my my specific area of interest. Paganism was uh, um, one of the major theorists of the time, Walter Pater. He's famous for kind of inspiring the aesthetic movement. Um, was interested in paganism because it he felt that it was an underlying condition of of the human subjectivity or even consciousness. The that that felt things in a way that um, kind of was aesthetically uh, heightened. So, mm. and this is a famous sort of uh, 
depiction of paganism um, as being, you know, a pleasure worship or a nature worship. Mm. That there's something about the immediate sense of of uh, the 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 experience of natural phenomena that um, kind of inter reintertwines the human into back into nature makes uh makes it doesn't make the divisions any ontological sort of divisions between um a human creature and the the natural world so um you know a different a different idea of the of the soul let's say yeah up until now was the concept kind of like humans were special and divided and they were the only things with souls and and like the rest of nature doesn't really have that idea or I think it was debated, but I think for uh, the main, probably mainstream thinking, I mean, a lot of things started to change uh, getting into the getting into the Victorian period about this. I mean, you, um, the idea, the like the notion of the age of the earth, let's say Charles Lyell's uh, uh, foundational work on geology in the 1830s was basically when they when history the idea of deep history became uh, uh, a concept that people were struggling with. So the idea that the earth is actually a lot older than what they had previously thought, it didn't come, it's not like they invented it. People were discussing it before then, but um, it started to, they started uh, finding ways to date um, um, uh, and, and track geological strata. Uh, so, um, Sorry, I kind of lost my train of thought. The oh, so the yeah, the idea of divisions was it just humans separated from nature? Um, I think that there was a um, philosophy and religion were still pretty close together, um, and so I think that the the ideas about what a human being is, what the soul is, we're still influenced by, by um, religion, but you did have philosophers, famous skeptics like David Hume, who did not, like, were atheistic. They, they didn't ascribe to that view. So you had these questions, but I think in terms of how, how did this bleed into, like, the like let's say their version of popular culture, I think definitely um, in the Victorian era, you start to have more of, uh, of a uh, less traditional views about that. Um, so the, the idea of a, of a spiritual hierarchy is, de is definitely starting to be um, undermined at this period and yeah people are um, human the human is is classified now as, as a species among other species mm -hmm. um, so what I'm wondering is you're talking about how this decadent era started to be more interested in paganism right yeah and this was a response to for example increasing industrial uh, the, the industrial movement during the Victorian age and stuff like this. But what I'm wondering is why did they look back to paganism as opposed to looking back and becoming more interested in Christianity? Mm. Because of course, like that was the religion, the main religion of the Victorian era. 
yeah so definitely. why why they didn't say like we need to be more christian again yeah. well you did have you did have movements in this time too like there were um versions of christianity there was an evangelical revival there was a catholic revival um at, at uh, around the same time um i think people were interested in paganism because it it is it's uh, it's something exotic but it's also something familiar because the greek and roman world so greatly influenced um um west the western tradition and even christianity itself it dragged paganism along with it and it's uh i i think it's there because it's um a kind of uh, uh like an iconographic storehouse of of alternatives to um a a uh, the the dominant religious worldview the dominant christian religious worldview so I think that people are turning to paganism because, yeah, they, they, um, it's, it's kind of bred into them. They're, they're, I mean, this, these are generations of people who, when they went to school, if they went to, you know, good schools, they learned Greek and Latin. So they had the language of, of the pagans as well. Um, and so, yeah, I think that, uh, that's, it's there in the art and literature of, of the the great Western traditions of Greece and Rome, and it also is um, you start to see things getting um, expressed that were taboo. So um, what they uh, this was also happening in the Romantic era with people like Byron and Shelley. I was just wondering, yeah. Yeah, they're expressing ideas about like homosexuality, about Greek love, you know, and and the so the Greeks and that whole past where the the so the 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 social and cultural kind of conventions are not the same, uh, and from the Victorian, uh, um, sort of the the I guess the dominant position, uh, which is again quite quite moralistic looks back to these times as a as a time of possible liberation in some ways mm. um and i think that something that they do is actually and this is i think this is probably the case for every every new generation but they they not they don't just rediscover the past they reinterpret it and they recreate it it's sort of it's a the paganism of the the paganism that i'm studying of the of the victorian pagan revival is you know custom made for 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 victorian concerns mm. um, so what, what does that exactly mean like um you know because i think um our listeners here will have sort of an idea of paganism of being like you know like a pentagram and some candles and maybe some celtic imagery yeah, yeah exactly um, but what exactly were the new interpretations at that time? Yeah, that's a really great question. And that's exactly where I'm, that's, that's kind of my way into it. Um, so the things that were different um, is there's an anthropological interest uh, in religion at this point. You have some of the, the first anthropologists of religion um and folklorists working at this time so people like eb tyler and james fraser who's fraser is probably the one that a lot of people have heard of the golden bow um fraser's a little bit later but um 
so what they what they did that was new is they actually kind of looked at the history of religious thought as kind of a, a, a cultural evolution. So the idea that um, and the idea that as cultures de cultures develop in a kind of evolutionary way, and it, not Darwinian evolution, but kind of they they uh, the the cultural evolution is thought of evolution kind of in a more theological sense, so kind of directed towards an end. So those anthropologists would look back, Tyler especially would look back, and um, he would he would look at you know um, what they called modern savages. So the, the people that they were colonizing at the time, the indigenous people, and he would say something like, well, if we compare this, we compare these tribal peoples that still live in the world today, we can get a sense of how people in the past lived mm -hmm. and their spirituality was primitive. And, but uh, there's a trajectory that human thought develops on and they're kind of at the back end of it. And, you know, we Europeans are, we're, we're at, we're at the stage of civilization. So, uh, they would he would do like a kind of what is called a st stadial history where it works in stages and for Tyler stage one is kind of primitive animism so the idea that all of nature is filled with these spirits that have agency and we and the human being is part of that um, and then it, it, Tyler would move on to what he would call barbarianism which is sort of what we think of paganism now. Um, yeah. It's a more a more evolved or more um, developed spirituality, and then you would get to um, civilization, um, which civilization has further developed monotheistic religions, and even past that, Tyler thought that we we are evolving out of that as well, and we're going into positivistic science where people won't have they won't they they won't necessarily consult that part of of uh, the past anymore um so the 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 authors that i'm looking at who are taking up paganism and using um pagan imagery and myth and ideas um what i see as distinct uh, about them from even the romantics is um an investment in ideas of the past uh the of the human past and the the kind of spirituality that was that that is their inheritance because the something i should have mentioned about tyler is he had an idea of survivals that and uh that pagan religion survives underneath um christianity and and at, at easter time and at christmas time i'm sure all of our wise friends on facebook will say you know christian uh, christmas is really a pagan holiday and they'll share something um it's that kind of idea um but uh, so these authors are thinking about that and um it, i think it comes with a dissatisfaction about uh modern life about um you know the the cityscape and a desire to imagine a, a, a kind of spirituality and a life that's closer to nature so they this this I'm 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 curious about this because um, my favorite era of painting is the Romantic era, mm. and when you look at those paintings, a lot of that is about returning to nature mm -hmm. and this idea that like nature is something that we can't colonize and that the Industrial Revolution is sort of powerless over this. Mm -hmm. But what is different of the Romantic era versus this sort of pagan revival? Because that's very different. Yeah, so I think the the main difference that I would think, and I'm I'm more familiar with the romantic poets than the art, but right. it's probably something. But it's similar, similar, yeah. 
Yeah, so uh, um, what I would think is that um, the, Roman, the, the Victorian paganists just kind of locate that ability that, so if you think of somebody like Wordsworth who mm -hmm. um, climbs up to Turn Abbey and sees into the life of things and feels, you know, consulted or has some kind of communion with nature, um, that is coming from something that has to do with like the, the, the poetic imagination or the capacity to um, kind of transcend in a sense, it's kind of a weird relationship with nature because in a sense you have to kind of, you have to sort of transcend nature to be a part of nature in a way. Um, you have to sort of go into the mind, whereas the, the, the paganism that gets associated with the decadent era kind of goes back to that idea of aesthetics and pleasure because now they're thinking uh, it's kind of, they, they see it a, a, along a, a kind of um, con, a historical continuum in a way that I'm maybe the Romantics did, but I'm I'm not quite sure, and they definitely I don't think that they wrote about it in the same way. Um, so yeah, they the the Victorian pagan movement is interested in kind of reconnecting with something that they felt it has been lost or at least kind of circumvented in yeah. history, which is the spiritual what they believed was a spiritual tradition. And I think it's what a lot of pagans today would also um, uh, would argue as well that like, well, yeah, before, before Christianity, there were, you know, kind of, there was, a, there were spiritualities that, that people had that, you know, got um, colonized basically. Mm -hmm. um, and I think the Victorians were interested in trying to recapture um, something of that spirituality. Do, do you, do you think there's, that that kind of thought and motive, I know this isn't necessarily the area you're focusing on, but it's but it's hard not to think about, like, there there's maybe modern paganist movements, there's definitely these, oh, there's absolutely, there's like huge modern revivals, D did those happen quite separately? Or do, do you view them as like, a pretty steady continuation, like over the last century and beyond? Yeah, um, just kind of brewed and continued? <clears throat> yeah, definitely. I think that there's a direct link. That's I, I see my work as kind of fitting into that story of how did we get from, you know, romantic era and previous notions of paganism to what we think of paganism today. And, and I think, um, and this is not original to me, there's uh, um, um, uh, Ronald Hutton has a history of, of modern witchcraft and paganism um, called Triumph of the Moon, where he, he he goes through that as well. Um, the, the sort of trajectory, like where did where did our neo-pagan movements come from? And yeah, they're sort of located in in around the Victorian era. It's not as though all the the authors kind of generated this from nothing. There were um, there were Celtic revivalist movements, mm -hmm. and there were stone stonemasons. Uh, was also kind of uh, you know in the idea of the occult. So there were a lot of things going on at the same time, but I think that in terms of um, popular ideas of paganism, they're getting generated um, through popular mediums and um, prose and poetry is one of those mediums. So I think that these things are getting shaped and influenced by authors at the time. I, I also wanted to to ask a question about you know, a lot of a lot of this seems centered around England in particular. Uh, yeah. Nation, but but 
English speaking, strong industrialized economies and nations were happening would, would maybe would maybe also include the United States. And I wonder if there are, you know, if there's distinctions between like an American um, pagan movement kind of going on simultaneously with this, if any of that's carrying over, if these ideas were popular in the United States, or if they have a very different view of um, like the indigenous cultures, and, like these core ideas, because the, the setting is pretty different. Yeah, there definitely were. And, and I would think that um, part the Victorians were influenced by the Americans in some way because of the American transcendentalists. So people like Emerson and Thoreau, mm -hmm. um, they were like the ideas of nature and nature worship and, and that sort of thing definitely coming from uh, the American transcendentalists, plus, at, with, along with the Germans. But um, yeah, I think that American um, American paganism is going on at the same time. Um, uh, I'm not as familiar with that, but uh, I do know that um, there is cer certain texts, so things like uh, Nathaniel Hawthorne's The Marble Fawn might be a, an example of something that would be, I guess Hawthorne's before um, my period, but be an example of, of a kind of analog for um victorian paganism in america and jeff i was wondering like because we've talked a lot about how this paganist revival was a re sort of a response to a number of different things i was wondering was there like a reaction to this um at the time was what was the result of this leading into later literature uh so yeah it um there was a reaction to it for sure um it it intended to be controversial it intended to invoke ideas of paganism because those are paganism is the great enemy of, of christianity and history um so they intended to be provocative and it was good publicity when when uh people would be you know finger wagging against oh this modern paganism it's uh you know that kind of thing so yeah um but i think it 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 opened up uh avenues of creativity um or at least it, it, um contributed to those so things like fantasy a lot of uh you know like we mentioned the celts earlier a lot of uh ideas that come from uh that we find in the fantasy genre even today yeah. are uh coming from an interest in in the pagan past Mm -hmm. Yeah, it feels like Tolkien is is really pagan as well. Maybe maybe like a bit, a bit more Nordic as well after this, but I think so. Yeah, and yeah, I think Tol Tolkien was also. Um, I'm pretty sure he was he was part of the Inklings. He was um, he was a, a, a um, I think he was a Christian, but he definitely drew on um, pagan imagery and the discussions about paganism mm -hmm. um, that were going on. Well, Jeff, I think we could talk about this all day, but unfortunately we're reaching the end of our interview here. Uh, I just have one last question. And what is your sort of plans, your next plans for yourself with uh, looking into this? Um, well, uh, so I'm working on my dissertation now and uh, I'm slowly making progress. The plan is to get that finished um, and uh, sort of take it from there. Awesome. 
Well, thanks, Jeff. We really want to thank you for being on the show with us today. It was a really great pleasure. And thanks for coming with us on Zoom today. Um, if anyone wants to get in contact with you, do you have an email that they can reach out to you to? Absolutely, yeah. Um, my email is jswim3 at uwo.ca. So that's jswim, the M as in Mary at the end, uh, three at uwo.ca. And I would love to hear if anybody has um, any thoughts or uh, recommendations or uh, anything. I'd love to hear from, from people. Perfect. Well, I'm sure they will. And again, Jeff, thanks for being on the show. Thank you guys very much. This has been Gradcast, the official radio show and podcast of the Society of Graduate Students at Western University. I've been your host and my co-host has been Connor. And this episode was produced by Laura. If you would like to get involved with the show or get in contact with us, you can email us at gradcastradio at gmail.com. You can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter at Gradcast Radio. And to listen to us on the radio, we are on CHRW 94.9. You can find all our old episodes at our website, gradcast.ca, or on podcast apps like Podbean, iTunes, or Spotify. Select episodes have also been uploaded to our YouTube channel, Gradcast Radio. Thank you for listening. Have a great night.